Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, if you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you in a message that I'm calling Keep on Asking. Keep on asking. And uh, before we get to the text this morning, um, how many of you in the room, how many of you in the room have a kid that asks a lot of questions? (laughs) Anybody here have kids? How many of you have kids that ask a lot of questions? How many of you have ever said to a kid or to your kid's I need you to give me about a 30-minute break. <laughs> Have you ever said, like, I, like, there's no more, we're just done talking? Anybody ever said that to your kid? Anybody ever said, hey, you know what? Love all the questions. It's great, but for 30 minutes, no more questions. I just, I want you to go find a screen. You know, what I need for the next half hour is I need you to go watch two Spongebobs and then maybe we'll, we'll talk again. Yeah. Right. That's what kids do. How many of you had kids this week that asked you to go play in the snow? Anybody here have a kid that was like, Hey, will you come play in the snow? Uh, How many times did you tell them? No. Yeah. You just, you're like, no, look, you can go play in the snow. I'm not going to play in the snow. You can go play in the snow. I'm not. And then they keep it up. And then eventually, what do you do? You go play in the snow. You know, that's what you do. Uh, How many of you ever had a kid ask you for a dog? Anybody here have a kid ever ask you for a dog? How many, how many times did they ask before you gave them the dog? One million times. That's, isn't that right? You're like, because you know what, what comes with the dog. And, and by the way, I've riffed on this before. Give your kid the dog. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. And if you're a kid in the room right now, tell them, Pastor Adam says, get me the ding-dang dog. Go on Instagram. Find your favorite breed. Show your mom and dad. That's what you do. Uh, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to, I want to talk to you from a passage. It's really famous. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about prayer. And specifically, I want to talk to you about persistence in prayer. And so what I'd like to do right now is just read a few verses from Matthew 7. We're just going to read uh, verses 7 through 11. And this is, of course, Jesus talking. And here's what he says to everybody out there on the hillside. And uh, everybody in the vineyard this morning, he says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? 
And we'll just, we'll just stop there. What a great, what a great teaching from, and from Jesus, no less, right? Like an actual, like the guy, you know, it's not one of his underlings, like the guy. And he gives us like one of the best, one of the best teachings. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about persistence in prayer. And uh, here, here's why. Uh, three reasons. Three reasons. And I've mentioned them over the last few weeks. Number one, uh, we want to talk about persistence in prayer because it's one of the devotions of the early church. We, we looked at that two weeks ago. Prayer is one of the devotions of the early church. Uh, number two, it's one, of the, it's one of the early devotions of this church. You know, it's not just a devotion of the early church, but prayer and persistence in prayer is one of the early, early devotions of this church. One of the things I said to you a few weeks ago is we are currently living in the prayers that Dick and Diane Salmon prayed for us. You're like, why is this place the way it is? Or like, what is it about the vineyard? Why am I here? Why is this my home? Why is God planting me here? Why has God been good to me here? Well, one of the reasons, it's not the total reason, but one of the reasons why is because in the very beginning of this church, People prayed that it would be a certain way. And specifically, Dick and Diane Salmon prayed. And everybody in here, whether you have ever heard their name or know them or not, you're living in their prayers. And so prayer is one of the devotions of the early church, but it's also one of the devotions of this church early on. And then number three, uh, this is a moment for us to pick up prayer for our future. Part of what I've been trying to say over the last couple of weeks in a little mini-series I called Who Will Carry the Torches, I've been trying to say like, okay, some things happened early here. Now we all live in it. But now we need to think about our deep future, which means that every person who's in the room right now has to go, okay, well, what part am I going to pick up? You know, And one of the things we have to do is we have to pick up prayer because part of what has to happen for our future is everybody in the room needs to begin to pick up prayer and pray the things that will shape the future that your children and your grandchildren will live in. Like you're living in Dick and Diane Salmon's prayers. Now in 40 years, in 40 years, maybe, maybe you'll be here or maybe you won't be, right? Maybe you will or won't be. Uh, but in 40 years, what kind of place will your children and your grandchildren live in? And will it be a place that is born in the dream of prayer? And Jesus says to everybody who's going to do any kind of praying, number one, you might want to be persistent. I hope you noticed this morning in the text, it says what? Ask and what? Keep on asking. Seek and what? Keep on seeking. Knock and what? Keep on knocking. There's this thing about persistence. And here's what I want to say to the church this morning. I believe that prayer changes things. I believe that prayer shapes things. And I believe that prayer forms the future of the church. Prayer is the seed the, the church sows for the future. Okay, so Matthew 7. Matthew 7, we've read it. Jesus gives this little teaching on prayer. By the way, this is after he's given us the Lord's Prayer. It's one of the reasons we pray it every week. And then he picks up this topic of prayer again. And he says two things in Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. He says basically two things. Number one, persistence matters. And then number two, this is also very important. This is why we read them together. The second thing he says is God is not the problem. I don't know if you read it that way, but that's just the way I interpret it, right? He says ask and 
keep on asking, knock, keep on knocking, seek, keep on seeking, you'll find. And then he immediately goes into, hey, what kind of parent would give their kid a stone if they asked for bread or a snake if they asked for a fish? And Jesus goes all the way to say something like this. If you're a sinful parent, and by the way, you are, and you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your perfect all-knowing and all-loving Heavenly Father want to give good gifts to those who ask Him. So what he's saying in this second section is, I'm asking, in the first section, I'm asking you for persistence, but the second section is God is not the problem. And that's really important. You have to hold those two together because they, they don't feel like they always go together. It's important to see these two things together because when we initially hear Jesus's words about ask, seek, and knock, and keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, some of us hear that and wonder, well, is God playing games, right? Why wouldn't he just answer me the first time? Uh, Does this damage God's character in some way, you know? But Jesus backs up his teaching with the note that even sinful parents know how to give good gifts. And how much more does the heavenly father want to give good gifts? Persistence is somehow connected to God's goodness. Rather than being evidence of God's bad character or manipulation, persistence is evidence of God's good character. That's what Jesus is saying when you put these two things together. A few notes about persistence. Four in particular, if you're taking notes. I didn't make a slide, sorry. You'll just have to listen and catch it. A few notes about persistence. Number one, consistency forms who we are. Human formation, human formation uh, is something like this. We are our habits. Like every part of you. Every part of you is a manifestation of your habits. In so many ways, like who you are emotionally, it's formation based on your own habits, who you are spiritually, who you are physically, who you are in every dimension of who you are, it is essentially a manifestation of your habits, you know? Not only that, but we become what we do. Not only that, but we become what we focus on. And so to persist in prayer makes us a particular kind of person. Uh, Here's the kind of person it makes you if you persist in prayer. It makes you someone not blown by the wind. Like if you persist in prayer, it means you're not somebody who's blown by every shifting and moving wind. Uh, It also means that you're somebody who's connected to God. I mean, that's what prayer is. It's, It's talking to God. You know, and if you persist in prayer, you're persisting in your connection to God. And over time, what will happen is, is you'll be the person or you'll be a kind of person who's deeply connected to God, not on the surface level, but like in the depths of your heart. So Jesus asked for this kind of persistence because it changes us. Uh, You also become someone grounded in what's actually important. If persistence is key in prayer, then it's important for us to pray for what's important. That's actually what Jesus is saying. If he's saying like, ask, seek, and knock, and keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, if persistence is important, part of what happens is, is you'll begin to actually pray for the things that are important rather than just scattershot things because they come instantly. Does that make sense? So it'll narrow your focus to what is actually truly 
worthwhile and truly important. If persistence is key in prayer, then it's important for us to pray for what's important. Persistence has a way of cutting out the clutter. Uh, Asking selects for our truer heart, and it also selects for us to be able to learn God's heart. That's why persistence is important. It pre-selects in making you the kind of person who will key in on what's important and not just extraneous, right? Oh, you know, God, give me, give me a million dollars and give me a happy dog and give me a great this and like that. And, you know, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. Okay, persistence is key. I need to like get hyper-focused on what really matters and I'll be formed by that. And this relates to formation because persistence has a way of bolstering our character. Uh, think about your own kids for a moment. Think about kids who always get everything they want instantly. What happens to that kid? They become a disaster. You ever met those kids? The kids who were never told no or the kids who were never delayed in anything? They become a disaster. You know one of the best things you can tell your kids? No. You know the second best thing you can tell your kid? Not now. You know the third best thing you can tell your kid? Yes, of course. Like oftentimes that's the way it goes because it shapes our character. And here's why that formation is so, so important because very little in life that matters comes instantly, right? Okay, number one, consistency forms who we are and it makes us a particular kind of person. Number two, a narrow focus is power. Uh, This is true in almost every part of life, not just prayer. Uh, As we focus our attention on anything, the results become what? Better. Like whatever you focus on will grow. Whatever you focus on will get better. It will develop. Narrow focus is power. Uh, The finiteness of our human frame means that you can't do everything. It also means this, you can't know everything and you can't be everything. And so Jesus' words on persistence are an invitation to narrow our focus to put our attention, our heart, and prayer into things that really matter. Number three, number three, most good things don't happen quickly. Oak trees take years to produce shade. Years, years and years. You won't get shade for an oak tree from like, for like 30 years. You know, you want to plant an oak tree that's going to last forever? You'll wait 30 years on getting any meaningful shade out of it. Most things that are good don't happen quickly. Artists spend years developing their craft. Can I tell you what is almost never good? An artist's first record. It's almost never good. And even when you hear somebody's record and it's their first record, you're like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, What you're finding out is, is that's actually probably not their first record. They probably had another band with a different name that they took off Spotify and they've hidden from you. Like almost any artist spends years developing their crafts. Uh, Babies take nine months to develop in their mother's womb, and then it takes two more decades to develop the frontal cortex of your brain. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, like if you're 18 here today, you're like, oh, I'm big, I'm strong, I can do anything, I'm smart. You're still dumb. (laughs) Like you have seven more years before your brain even works. And you're like, oh, that's, that's mean, Pastor Adam. That's not true. I got like a 34 on my ACT. Well, you might have a 34 on your ACT, but they still won't rent you a car. 
Why is that? Because the actuaries know the front part of your brain isn't even connected yet. It takes years. Like, good stuff takes years. Some are like, that's hard. It's true. It's true. It's true. Like, you can be 21, your brain is still broken. Still, like, those little neurons are, like, coming together there, you know? Like, it takes so many years for something good to develop. Um, Here's another thing I was thinking about the other day, especially on this. Uh, This May, Heather and I will be married 25 years. Boom. Yeah, Can I tell you something? We like each other now more than we ever did before. We don't just love each other. We were talking about this the other day. We actually like each other. And we like each other more now than we did back then. And we used to like each other quite a lot. Like it takes years, years. It takes decades to have a good marriage. Like an actual good marriage. Some of you are like, we've been married six years and we're great. It's like, you don't know anything yet. You just get ready. You just get ready, bud. Talk to me in a couple decades. But here's the good news. It can get better. Like the good stuff takes a while. Babies take nine months. A fully formed adult is like 25. A great marriage is like something that's built for the decades. It's not just a minute or two. Oak trees take like 187 years. Uh, the good stuff takes a long time. And not only that, but Jesus agrees. Almost all of Jesus' stories and parables are about slow stuff. He tells almost no stories about fast stuff. Everything's like super slow. Jesus says, well, your kingdom of heaven is like a little bit of yeast you put in the dough, right? And then what do you do when you put the yeast in the dough? You mix it up and you wait for it to proof, which is just a fancy way of saying like you leave it on the table. (laughs) And what does it do? It like, it does something and then you fold it or something again. I've watched enough cooking TV. And then what do you do? You wait again, throw it in there and yeah, like all of Jesus is, and then Jesus says, well, you know, kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who throws seed on the ground. Great, you know, and then, and then he throws the seed out and it, it takes like, I don't know, forever for it to sprout. And then after it sprouts, what do you have to do? Wait some more. You have to wait even more for the harvest. And then Jesus says, uh, later in Matthew chapter seven, he says, oh, you'll know, you'll know people by the, you'll know a tree by its fruit. How long does it take a tree to produce fruit? Years? Year. The answer is years. Years. It takes years. And then Jesus tells this other story about uh, wheat and tares. Uh, implicit in that story is waiting and a long time. Uh, he says, don't go out there and tear all those weeds out. Let them go. We can't even tell the difference between the wheat and the tares yet. You know, it's so weird. The good stuff, you don't even know, we don't even know what's good in the short term. And so this, this, this teaching from Jesus about persistence in prayer is actually an invitation into the good stuff. The good stuff. Like the really good stuff is the stuff you're, it, it might take you a year or two to pray for. You know? Good things take time. Here's what human beings tend to do. Most of us overestimate the power of a year and underestimate the power of five years. Good stuff takes time. Number four, deep learning comes over time. How many of us studied the facts for a test but didn't really grasp the information? Anybody ever done that? It's like A, C, 
C, C, B, A, C, C, C. And it's like at the end, you get 100. And then, you know, you're, you go out into the world where somebody's like, well, can you tell me something about, like, what we need to do today is quadratic formulas. And you're like, oh, I got a perfect test score on that. And then you realize, I have no idea what any of this stuff is. Like, I know nothing. I'm an absolute idiot. Uh, this happened to me. It was like real life because they tell you, you know, one day you'll need math. And you're like, no, I won't, you know. <laughs> Again, it's, it's that 18-year-old undeveloped prefrontal cortex brain going, I'll never need this math. Went to high school. I, was, I still remember going to chemistry class and we, and we learned titrations. Do you guys remember titrations? No, you don't. The answer is you don't. I remember learning titrations and it just like, you, I even remember getting a good grade on the, on the titrations test and the titrations lab. Like you got your, you got your base and it changes the formula and the, whoa, the colors, whoa. Yeah, you know, you get the whole thing right. And then many years later, Justin and I are in our lab trying to make wine. And what's, what do we have to do? Titr you want to make wine, you have to learn titrations. Uh, guess where we were? We were standing outside of the winery on our phone watching YouTube going, oh God. And inside... Inside, there's just hundreds and hundreds of gallons of juice. And if we don't get it right that day, guess what happens? It's dead. We're just like, why didn't we pay attention? Like, I even got an A. I got an A on this test. You know, you don't know. Deep learning comes from engagement over time. Deep learning. Uh, what would you learn through persistence in prayer? Well, A, you'd learn about what's actually important in your own heart. Like if it requires persistence, you'll find out really quick what's important in your own heart. And then you'll also learn who God is. You'll learn these things. It's important because God is not a machine or a principle. God is a relationship. Sometimes we have pictures in prayer. We have pictures from prayer and they shape our picture of God, right? And we think of God as like, a distant grandparent. Now, he's nice, but he's like mostly away in Florida for the winter. You know, you start praying a little bit, nothing happens. You're like, ah, I guess he's in Tampa. That's why nothing's happening, you know? Or, or we hear Jesus' teaching on persistence and we just think, oh, God's a slot machine. You just have to, you just have to go and just, Shake your thing and push the button, right? Like shake the can of coins, like those people in Vegas. This is it. No, we lost again. Just do it again, you know? Or we think that, we think that God is like a democratic election. If we just get enough votes, or if I just get enough prayer people on my side, then we'll win. It's like, God, we got the votes on you, buddy. Like we, we got like 51% of the people in the church on this one. So I know you didn't want to, but you got it. So you need to come to the table. But none of that's real. And the reason it's not real is because God is a relationship. The, founda the foundational nature of God is that he's a trinity. So God is by, by his own existence, he is a, community within himself. 
Not only that, but the, the universe is relational. And so prayer is always relational. The point that persistent prayer is being uh, made, at least one of the points, is that it's possible to change God's mind. So Jesus said, I just want to throw this out there for you. Number one, Jesus says persistent prayer will go better. Number two, God's not the problem. And even if, even if you think that God has a no for your request, persistent prayer will often turn no's into yeses. It's an amazing thing. Just two quick stories. You can read them later. I don't have time this morning. But uh, in the Old Testament, there's this moment in Exodus 32. Uh, a lot of bad stuff has happened. You know the whole like golden calf thing? Y'all remember that? Like Moses comes back down the mountain, there's the golden calf. God gets pretty upset with that, and he should have, right? Like, I mean, he had just taken these people out of Egypt, I mean, the whole thing. And right away, people were like, you know, it wasn't so bad in Egypt. At least we had meat in our pots, you know? And so they make a golden calf, and, and God says to Moses in Exodus 32, dude, I'm going to wipe these people out and start over with you. Sick of it. Like, I'm done with these people. That's what God said. And Moses, Moses prays, don't do it. I know this is not what you really want to do. Don't do it. Also, God, what will the Egyptians say if you pulled your people into the desert to worship only to kill them? Like, what will the Egyptians say? And you know what God does? Changes his mind. Says, you know what, Moses? I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Isn't that wild? And then there's this other super wild moment. In, in 2 Kings, I want to say it's like chapter 20. Y'all remember King Hezekiah? Decent dude, actually. Wasn't bad. And Isaiah shows up at his house one day and says, uh, hey, Hezekiah, not going to be great for you. I know you're sick. You're going to die. Like, so get your house in order. And Isaiah's walking out, and Hezekiah begins to pray, cries out with loud tears, begins to pray. Like, this is not my time, right? And before Isaiah leaves, he turns around and says, you know what? Because of your prayer today, the Lord says he's going to give you 15 more years. It's an amazing thing. There's this, there's this thing in prayer. It's, God's not a slot machine. You just have to like, oh, Lord, give me a good life. Okay, give me a good life. God, make my kids good. Lord, straighten them out. And if you just push the button enough, then he'll relent. Now, God's a relationship, Right? And it changes things. Here's what I want to say. The world is not static or a foregone conclusion. Prayer actually shapes the future. So uh, would you allow me to put a few things on your list this year? Is that okay? Okay. I mean, there's like three people were like, yeah. Okay. Is everybody okay? Everybody okay? I'm, I'm sorry. Was, I don't know. That was super weird. I'm like, am I... Like, it's like a glitch in the matrix. Is everyone dead? What happened? <laughs> all right, so here's a few things we could be persistent about this year, and I think it takes all of us. Because part of what we're doing is we're going to pray some stuff now that'll be a future for us that we'll live in. Maybe some of us will get to live in it, but man, our kids and our grandkids will get to live in it. That's for sure. So here's something I want you to put on your list. Uh, number one, land, money, and a building. Can I tell you something we need? 
We need land, money, and a building. There's no more land here. It isn't going to work. Okay? We have more kids than we have kids' wing. Our kids' wing is a joke. This is me being nice, right? <laughs> we, need, we need land, money, and a building. Not only that, I think we might even know where some land's at. Maybe. Like we went and drove our trucks around on it a couple weeks ago. Pretty nice. Could be really good. If that's the spot, then what we're going to need is building in a money. A money. <laughs> what is a money? I don't know. Lord, help my cortex. <laughs> here's probably what we need. When you start thinking about money, here's what you need to pray for. My guess is just by looking at stuff, what do I know? I'm not an expert, but I'm not stupid. Here's what I think. I think we need 3 million bucks. I don't, I don't really think there is any building that's less than 3 million that does anything for us, right? So put it on your list. God, we need land, money, and 3 million bucks. Guess how many dollars God has? All the dollars. I mean, it's not even a joke. Like in the Old Testament, it really does say this, and it's actually true. God, he's got the cattle on how many hills? Thousand. I don't know. How, how many cattle is that? Lot. I, I don't know. I mean, I just know that we should pray. Uh, we should pray. And this is, this is for us. Like, we're just at that spot now, you know? Uh, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. And now, Lord, we, we, we just need a forever home. Like, that's the thing that's been in my heart. Like a forever home. Like a spot where we can put our foundation down and raise our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren in the knowledge of God. That's what we need. Put that on your list. Uh, number two, would you pray this this year? Would you pray that people who have no faith or little faith would come to faith this year? People need to know the Lord. This is something that's been in my heart a lot. Uh, by the way, I've been meeting so many people who have no faith or very little faith, and guess what they're totally fine talking about? Faith. People are open to God. I, I know that one of the narratives is, is like, oh, uh, the world is becoming increasingly like, disconnected from God, or the world is becoming increasingly atheistic or agnostic. And I just want to tell you, it's completely untrue. It's actually not true. People are very open and uh, not only that, it, it's, it's not even just like, the, oh, I'm open to the spirit or I'm open to the universe. No, people are open to Jesus because at the end, uh, like you can talk about the spirit or the universe, like the universe doesn't care about you and people instinctively know this. I've had some incredible conversations with people who are apparently far from God about Jesus lately. And here's what I would love for every person in here. Would you pray that people with little faith or no faith would come to faith? And by the way, this is the work of God. I mean, Jesus says he'll draw everybody to him. That's part of what he does. And we should just pray. Not only that, but in 2 Peter, it says that God doesn't want anyone to perish. Like what is God's heart? God doesn't want anyone to perish. And he's not just talking about later, but he's also talking about now. How many of you know that your heart can perish long before your body does? You just wither up, you know? The dried fig of your heart can just go away. Would you pray that? Okay, so let me tell you something we're going to do here this year as well. Because you can, you can have a little addendum prayer. Like, we, we want to pray that people who have no faith or little faith come to faith. 
Uh, here, here's something we're going to do this year, and we're going to lean into it, not just the, this year, but like a bunch of years going forward, and it's going to take a lot of people in here doing things they've never done. One of the things we're going to kick off this year is we're going to kick off uh, a program called Alpha. Anybody here ever heard of Alpha? Okay, let me just tell you very quickly what Alpha is. Alpha was developed in the UK at uh, HTB, Holy Trinity Brompton, and it was it started there specifically because John Wimber went there and did some ministry from the vineyard and profoundly encouraged some people, non, not the least of which was a guy named Nicky Gumbel. And Alpha is this video-based program where you invite people either to a home or maybe to the church here, and you have to cook a meal every time. There has to be a meal. Uh, you watch a video. The videos are about Jesus or about the Christian faith. And then at the end... Uh, the leader allows uh, the people who came to ask questions. And here's what the leader can do. Cannot answer any of the questions. No one in the room gets to answer the questions. The only thing that, gets hap that happens is, is that everybody who's in the room, if they have a question, they just get to ask questions and we just kind of talk about it. And we don't get our Bibles out and go, well, you know, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1. You don't, you don't get to do any of that. You don't get to do the, any of that. And here's what happens at the end of Alpha. People who are far from Jesus come to Jesus. Like it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. But I want to I tell you about that because A, we need to pray that people who have no faith or little faith would come to faith. But I also want to tell you that because we're going to need a lot of people here uh, to prepare some meals and to show up and do some hosting. And, and some of us here need to learn how to lead and host and let people just ask questions because God wants to do something. And I want you to know, uh, Alpha is kicking butt and taking names around the world. Like, it's not even a joke. Not even a joke. I could tell you like three or four stories that would just blow your brain uh, from other vineyard churches around. We're going to do that. Uh, we're going to start it in the young adults group, and we're going to start it in the youth group. And then here in the summer, we're going to run some adults for, uh, groups for adults. And part of what it will take from you guys is invite people uh, in your world who have no faith or little faith. And you're like, oh, they won't come. Yeah, they will. They will, because God wants people to know him, and he doesn't want anybody to perish. So number one, would you pray for land, building, and money? Number two, would you pray for people to come to faith? And then number three, uh, God wants to give you some other people to pray for. I just want to say this really quickly. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 is wild, okay? It's wild. You should just go read it sometime this week. But those... Verses that we read this morning, 7 through 11, those four, four verses, it's in the middle of a much longer chapter. Uh, and here's what the rest of Matthew chapter 7 is about. Other people. Other people. So Matthew chapter 7 begins with Jesus saying this, don't judge. Why? Because by whatever measure you use, what happens? It gets, it gets used to, on you, right? Uh, that's like a relational teaching, isn't it? Don't judge. And then Jesus says, uh, you're kind of worried about the logs, the specks in your neighbor's eye, but what do you have? You got a log in your eye, right? So it's like specks and logs. So don't judge and then specks and logs. And then Jesus says, don't throw your pearls before pigs. Like have a little discernment. Share things with people that they're ready for, right? And then he, then he gives this teaching on prayer that we just read. And then the very next thing that Jesus says is the golden rule. Treat people how? The way you want to be treated. 
And then the rest of the, the whole chapter is actually about like human relationships and mostly about how we relate to other people. And right in the middle is this teaching on prayer. And there, there is a, a lot of ways to interpret the passage that we read this morning. I think that I'm on good ground with everything that we said this morning. But one way, one way to understand the teaching that Jesus gives on prayer is that Jesus is saying to persist in prayer for other people. That'd be one way to understand it. Because the whole chapter is about other people and how we relate, right? Jesus is in some way saying, ask, seek, and knock, not just for me, but for who? Those around me. And when Jesus gives his longer teaching in Luke 11 about prayer, he's like, it's like, it's like a friend comes to you, and what do they need? They need bread, and they need bread for a friend, and what do you do? You get up and you give the bread for the friend. Like, that, that's his teaching on prayer, too. And almost all of Jesus' teaching on prayer, it has less to do with us, and it has way more to do with those around us. And so here's what I would love for you to do this year. I would love it if you would pray for land money in a building. I would love it if you would pray for people who have no faith to come to faith. I ask that you would pray for Alpha to kick butt and take names here. But I also would love it if you would spend some time with God and going, who is on my list this year? It's not just my problems. It's not just my life. It's not just like my dilemmas or, or my things that need figured out. But God, who can I share the burden of prayer for and whose future can I help shape through my prayers? Would you put some other people on your list? And would you keep them there all year long? Like, would you just say, you know what? I'm going to pray for these people. Would you do that? Would you do that? All right. Everybody good? All right. All right, all right. Hey, if you're on the worship team this morning, would you, would you come on up? If you're not, would you stand up? We're going to... We're going to pray this morning. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.